Amen. Praise the Lord. I got a message this morning. Uh, 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 my intent is to be a blessing this morning. Amen. If anything other than that happens, it's not my fault. <laughs> you heard it wrong. You received it wrong. No, I was just kidding. Um, praise the Lord. I, I do. I, it was interesting. Uh, I got done with a men's meeting last Monday night, and we we're talking. And I just went. I was woke up that in the middle of the night, and, and God and just, I had prayer in my heart, and was praying. And um, God says, He says, as far as the men's meeting, I had the men's meeting still in my mind. It was saying, um, it was saying, challenging each other in their faith. This is the word I got. Almost like He gave us a new purpose for the for the men's meeting to challenge one another in their faith. I took up that word. I said, There's something there God is trying to say, and so I t- titled my message this morning is challenged faith, challenged faith. And I hope this, it might explain some things that you might be going through. It might be, uh, but anyway, I'm going to use some, uh, several scripture examples. Um, one in which I spoke on just a couple of weeks ago, uh, talked about the same scripture, but I want to bring it back again in a different, uh, different light, same scripture, but different light. And I'm going to talk about some other things that God has shared in my heart this morning. So basically, uh, the title of the message again is Challenged Faith. Amen. Uh, I put, I wrote this down just so you know, the challenging of our faith. We we see that word challenge sometimes. We say, okay, this is this is a pushback. This is uh, something that's in the way. This is something, not necessarily. Okay, I want to bring it to a different light this morning. Uh, challenging of our faith is not always about the devil trying to bring discouragement, though the devil will try to bring discouragement only. Amen. Uh, God will challenge us. Not to weaken our stand, but to strengthen our stand, shifting our reliance on ourselves, uh, uh, shifting uh, our reliance on ourselves to God. In other words, making the shift to what we can do to what God can do through us. It, make, it makes a difference. Amen. And every challenge of our faith contains within it an invitation to discover the power on another level. This is what I want to hit on this morning. We're giving a, a, an opportunity to find the power on another level. This goes a little bit different than what some people say, well, uh, the purpose of the gospel is salvation, and once we get saved and there's nothing else that's wrong. There is a whole lot else. Uh, There's talking about spiritual maturity. There's talking about about growth within ourselves. There's a strengthening of our faith. Uh, Faith is used a lot of times. How many know we can get weak in faith? But we got to remind ourselves who we are, who we belong to, and get back into that. Uh, so these are all the things I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, like I said, I, I went over this scripture uh, a couple of weeks ago. But let me, let me do this again. I want to take it from a different angle. Uh, but it's the same scripture. Basically, what M- Matthew chapter 14 talks about, do you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? I remember he fed the 5,000. <clears> he uh, came off of that came down the mountain, came down to the Sea of Galilee uh, where the boat was. And it was, what it says, it says in, in uh, Matthew 14, 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat to go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away, the multitudes that he was uh, 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 providing the, the bread and the fishes and stuff too, sending them away. But here's the thing that's interesting. Jesus, immediately Jesus made his disciples. The indication, even in the Greek, the indication was the disciples gave a pushback. They really didn't want to leave. They, weren't, they, didn't, they certainly didn't want to leave Jesus behind. 
But Jesus compelled them and almost don't, no, as a matter of fact, I'm ordering you guys to get, it's kind of like that type of thing. I'm ordering you guys, get in the boat and go to the other side. That was, he, he, he laid out the plan. This was the will of God for their life at that moment right there. They were to get into the boat, they were to go over to the other side. And Jesus compelled them to do that. Then Jesus went into a higher place and he went to their solitude place to where he could pray. And that's what he, it's interesting. I always see Jesus do this. He goes off and he, he goes into a secret place and he prays. This is where his prayer life is at. Uh, you know, he taught his disciples about prayer. So there was, a, there was a group together that prayed. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed there and he brought his disciples with him to pray. So it, was, it wasn't that he was just solitude, a solitude prayer, not at all. He did both. But I noticed this. I noticed when he released miracles, it wasn't through a prayer. I'm going to say something a little unusual, but look it up. Jesus never prayed for one person to be healed. And there's an interesting thing. He didn't pray for them. He declared it. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who was dead, came alive. He declared. He didn't pray. He didn't go through long prayers and different things like this. You know, oh, Lord, uh, pray, I pray that these blind eyes open. Oh, Father, grant this. None at all. Blind eyes open, deaf ears hear, dead raised. He declared and decreed it. His prayer was to the Father as he went on. This is one of those instances where Jesus was up on the mountain. He sent his disciples away. Now you know what's going to happen next. The disciples are going to get in a boat. They're going to do exactly what they're talking about. Now it's almost dark. Okay, They're going across in the dark in a storm. Now, Jesus being all-knowing and all-seeing, had his disciples compelled them, in other words, ordered them to leave right at that time when the storm was coming through. Now, do you think there could have been a little bit better planning? <laughs> I think that's exactly the perfect will of God. I want to speak to everybody this morning who might be going through some kind of a storm. How many in here has ever gone through a storm? Uh-huh. <laughs> How many is going through one right now? <laughs> well, there's so, always something that wants to rock our boat. Why can't it be? I just go ahead. I have Jesus in my heart. I, I, I said I'm doing the call. I've done everything Jesus told me to do. How come I'm going through a storm? How many is ever asking that? How come I'm having pride? I did everything God you told me to do, and here I am doing everything you told me to do, when you told me to do it, everything right verbatim. Now I'm in a storm. How can that be possible? Because in our little Christian mentality, we think that what we do what God tells us to do, everything is going to be rosy all the time. There's nothing going to be pushed back, and there's not going to be anything, there's no warfare to fight. There is no devil. He has to just get out of our way because we have Jesus. Life has to bow down because basically we're Christians. And we have the power of God living in us. What is that power for? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, oh, we, okay, I'm going to get on myself. It says in verse 25, let me read some scripture. Matthew 14, verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch... Here's something unique. In, in the Old Testament, you'll find out that the Jewish day was broken up into three watches. So to mention the fourth watch, what, was, what this indicates is the fact is that the Roman government came in instead of having three watches where the, where the uh, day is broken up into three parts, 
it is now four parts. So this would have been the fourth watch of the, of the, uh, as the day is broken up into watches. In other words, in our terms, uh, in our clock setting mode today, <laughs> praise the Lord, it would be between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Now, if you woke up this morning between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., you will find out you go outside is dark. Well, it was dark then too. So basically, Jesus showed up in the darkness, in the storm. You're in a, in, in a boat that is probably built out of spare lumber. Now, lumber was very, very hard to get in the Middle East. So basically, lumber was repurposed and reused. So you, it, your boat might have been a table the day before. <laughs> but now it finds it somewhere on a plank in the side of your little boat. So basically, it was all made together. So it was a real fear of anybody back then, a fisherman back then, on the Sea of Galilee, because the Sea of Galilee can get nasty. Okay, all of a sudden that storm kick up, and your little homemade boat isn't going to hold up against the, against the waves in the storm. So there's a real fear that you could go under. Being lost in the dark in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, uh, they were probably, uh, the, the indication was they're probably a couple of miles, uh, almost three miles offshore, three to four miles offshore. So Jesus walked that far. Amen? Think about that. So I put, put the thing in perspective. You're straining at the oars, as the Bible says, the disciples are straining at the oars. All of a sudden, Jesus sees the storm, and he walks out onto the water. Yeah, you got the picture, right? You've seen this, you read this before. Okay, and he walks out, and Mark gives us an indication here that we don't normally see. Uh, Mark says in his, in his gospel of this, of this account, he talks about Jesus, of course, walking on the water. And then uh, he, he goes, uh, but Mark 6 and verse 48 says this, Then he saw them straining at, the oar, at, at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now, about the fourth watch in the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now listen to what he says here. And would have passed them by. A couple of questions. Jesus comes off his high place, comes down the mountain, he sees his disciples, he sees that they're struggling, he knows exactly where you're at this morning, he sees you going through struggles, and he steps down and he walks on the water. That, now how many know that's a miracle? He's defying every law of physics. I'm a scuba diver. I'm on the ocean a lot of times you know, in, in recreation mode, mostly uh, out there. And how many know um, I've stepped off the boat thousands of times and never walked on water once, not even with my big old fins on. <laughs> so I guarantee you, if you step off a boat, you're going to sink. Or at least semi-sink, float somewhat. I mean, depending on how much buoyancy your body has. But anyway, so Jesus is not doing that. He's not swimming to them. He's not uh, uh, um, uh, flying like a bird out past them, like he was catapulted across. The, no, he's not doing that. He's walking. He's walking just like he's walking on dry land. No difference. He's walking out to, to, we think he's going to the disciples. But according to Mark, he was not. <laughs> I'll read it again. He says, he says it, 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 at the fourth watch of the night, he came out to them walking on the sea, but would have passed them by. Would have passed them by except for what? How many, uh, I just wonder, are going through some kind of spiritual storm, would you like the Lord to walk by you? <laughs> Not me. If I'm in trouble, I don't want him walking by. I want him to stop. I'm going to say, hey, Lord, 
I'm over here. <laughs> kind of what they said only. They said, what is it? They, I mean, they, they looked at, it must be a ghost. Uh, we don't see, no, men don't walk on water. We, we don't see people out here walking around. Uh, what, what is this? And then Peter cries out. Interesting, interesting enough, Peter says, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. Peter could have said a lot of things at that point. How many have been in the midst of a storm, spiritual storm or whatever, kind of storm, financial storm, whatever kind of storm you want? And what you want, the ultimate what you want, is you want the storm to go away. How many want the storm to go away? I know I do. Wouldn't life be a lot more comfortable and a lot easier if there was no storm? So God, make it go away. But he doesn't do that. There is no indication whatsoever that Jesus is going to do anything with the storm. It's a walk in it. And he did not calm the storm. But wait a minute, wait a minute. We know it's biblical for him to calm the storm. We have the scripture. It was over in Matthew chapter 8. He did it before. Peace, but still. Remember the peace, but still? And the, ocean, the, the sea just calmed. But now he's not even looking to do that. The disciples are not, he's not in the boat. The disciples are there and they're, they're, they're listen, if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here, is what they're saying. Jesus, we didn't want to go, remember? You compelled us to go. Isn't there all kinds of finger pointing at this point, mentally or otherwise, back to God? God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be in this mess. I'd be safe on the shore, still eating off that, off that fishing and loaves that you made. I'd be still back there eating. We'd be feasting, not out here straining at these oars, wondering if we're going to make it or not. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Jesus said, take the boat, get in the boat, and go to the other side. He did not say sink. He did not say drowned on the way over there. He did not say, okay, do that as long as the weather's good. Check the weather first. If the weather, I have a wind app on my phone. Can I check the weather before I go diving? I, I, I check, check the wind app. The wind app said, no, wait a minute. The wind app says it's going to be a little choppy out there. As we say in the dive industry, a little sporty. It's going to be darn right sporty. Sporty enough to want to sink this boat. He said, no. He said, back this. He says, go. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was, understand something. These disciples walked with Jesus so much that he impacted their lives in a way they have never seen before. In other words, Jesus was doing something here. He was growing them up in the faith so their faith wasn't just fair-weather Christians. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I think I hit on something. Amen? Not just fair-weather Christians. Well, I'm, I'm going to believe in Jesus as long as everything's going all right, but you know, when things go bad, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I want to go to church, but hey, you know, it just, it's hard to get there sometimes. And you know, I've got, got to work. Hallelujah. Well, I'll get back to that one. Praise the Lord. I'm sure you'll be waiting. Hallelujah. Amen? What happens is they saw it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Jesus says, be a good cheer. It's me. Jesus revealed himself. Still, no calm. They know Jesus is there. They know Jesus ordered them, but there's still no calm. How many, how many uh, it, it, know Jesus is there? know you're doing what he's told you to do, but it doesn't seem to be working out right. Uh, let me go over it again. Jesus is there. You know he's there. You know it's God. But still we have a storm. 
How do we balance this stuff? How are we gonna, because we know all good things come from the Lord. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father. Hmm. But yet here we are. Jesus said, it said Mark said he would have passed us right by. He didn't keep on walking. Hey, we're over here. How many ever cried out to the Lord in a problem? Hey, Lord, I'm right here. I'm in the same city. You put me here 32 years ago. Come on. What's happening? Lord, I'm right here. Do I know he's called me? Yes. Did he tell me to go? go? Yes. Is there storms? Absolutely. And I'm going to talk about the, the hurricane that we just went through. I'm talking about spiritual storms that buzz all around that want to gather your attention over the attention we give to Christ. There's all kinds of things that are attention grabbers that grab us away from Christ. Peter does the one thing that Jesus is expecting because what Jesus is doing and what I just set for you uh, verbally, set set the stage for you, is what Jesus was doing. He was challenging the faith that he put into them people. He's challenging the same faith that he gave them. It's good to say you have something, but now it's time to put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Cliche. Now it's time to do something about it. Now it's time to really show forth what we believe. Because now things aren't going so so smooth. We've had a pandemic that has closed in most churches around the country. Florida is one of the unique places where you could go to church because basically uh, it's considered essential by our governor. But then people just use it and they stayed out, stayed away. That was three years ago. We're still trying to get people back into the church. Are you here? Amen? So we know that any storm can separate us from the love of God? Hmm. Not biblically, but it sure seems like that when we look at the outward experiences. Hmm. Peter did something nobody else did, so I'm saying I'm going to say one out of 12 Christians do this. You be the one. One out of 12 Christians will do this. They'll stand up and say, if it really be you, bid me to come. Why did he say that? What's wrong with him? Why not think about other people around you? Not just about you, Peter. Oh, sure. Bid me to come? Oh, it's all about me now. Oh, yeah, Jesus, come and just save me. Let the rest of them drown. Did you see the interpretation, how it could have been mishandled? But Peter's the one to shout out and put down the terms. Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. What was he doing? He was meeting the challenge that Jesus put towards his faith. The faith that that Jesus put into that man, now he's putting that very faith, not Jesus, not himself, but that faith. Do I have what it takes to step out of this boat into the miracle realm that Jesus is now standing in? I have to go from where my boat sitting comfort Used to be, now I have to get up, stand on the gunnel. I, this guy could look like a big, big old fool because if I step off that boat and I sink, I'm gonna, it's going gonna, gonna to ruin the whole, whole effect here. I'm going to find out I have no faith. Not little faith, but no faith. Because Jesus said one word. He says, come. In other words, I give you permission. Step out here where I'm at. And what happens in a storm where we think the storm is separating us from Christ and the things of Christ is actually becomes an invitation to press in closer. I need to say that again. When we think the storm is separating us from Christ, it actually has given us the opportunity to get closer to Christ. Hallelujah. So what Jesus is doing, he said, no, come out here with me. 
Peter takes, and, and I like the way the, the, the doubters present this. Yeah, Peter thinks he walked on water, took three steps and sunk. Three steps? They didn't recognize Jesus, who he was, until he spoke. He was far enough away that he didn't choose away. But Peter, however, got right there to where Jesus was at. Well, how do you know that? Because Jesus immediately, immediately reached down and picked him up. How did he sink? He had all the good intentions. I put my faith to the challenge. What happened? I'm walking. I'm on the water. It's, it, it, who cares about the stupid storm? The storm now is, is insignificant. The thing that was about to take my life is now insignificant. Because I'm, I'm seeing the thing that was ready to take my life. Now it's insignificant because I see it in the light of Christ. I'm standing. I'm walking above the thing that's trying to drown me. I'm on the top. It's underneath. What happened? When Peter looked at the wind and the waves, and he got his sight off of Jesus, he looked back onto his problems, he sunk. And immediately Jesus reached down his hand and picked him up. Immediately he had to be right there. How did Jesus immediately well and be right there? And what happened next? What happened next? Hand in hand. I got you, Peter. I got you. Let's walk back to the boat. So he walked back to the boat, hand in hand. He said, are you a little faith? He didn't say no faith. He said little faith. We need to work on that. You need to work on, on, on if you're going to command, you need, to, you need to follow through. If you're going to make a commitment of walking, you've got to follow through. Hmm. He goes back in, and as soon, the Bible says, as soon as they stepped in the boat, wind stopped. The wind stopped. John even goes as far as to say, as soon as they stepped in the boat, boom, they're on the other side. It's like they were translated. <laughs> I like that. That's even another miracle happened. Them guys got in on that. They must have had to hang on their seats. <laughs> When Jesus steps up, we're moving ahead fastly. We're going to get there. We're, oh, we're already there. Sorry. <laughs> they are three to four miles out. The Sea of Galilee, I don't know at that time. Today, I think it's about almost eight miles across. So if John's gospel, according to John's account of this gospel, they're there. They just went another four to five miles that quick. They give you whiplash. <laughs> what happened to the storm? Where's the threat of the storm? At that point, as soon as Jesus got back in the boat, what happened then? Well, what is it? The first time they were amazed. They said, what matter of man is this? The second time said, he wasn't even in the boat. And all of a sudden, when he gets in the boat, all of a sudden we show up there. Or like translated. Amazing. What Jesus was saying, no matter what I give you, whatever assignment I give you, the thing is this, stop looking at the storm and start looking at Christ. The storm is insignificant. Storms in your life will come and go. I'm an old man. I can tell you the same thing. I mean, I've all kinds of storms of life in different areas. There's all been all kinds of attacks on my life. But I don't look at those things. I don't say back in 1976 when I first gave my heart to the Lord. I say, oh, that was a, that was a hard. That's when, that's when all the hard stuff started happening, boy. I had to quit drinking, smoking, and, 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 and chewing, and go with the girls that do it. I, you know, anything. I had to give all, all all this stuff. You know, the really stuff. And I gave up so much for. I sacrificed so much for the Lord. Oh, pooey. He didn't give up anything. When I served the Lord, He showed me how to get through storms that would have sunk me in any other circumstance. 
when I give my heart to the Lord, amen, he began to show me another way. It doesn't matter if the storms are there. Storms come and go. Jesus is there forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does the same miracles today as he did back then. For anyone who believes. For anyone who comes forth with their faith. Amen? Are we getting anything out of this this morning? Hallelujah. Jesus had a disturbing way of throwing out challenges to people to rise above themselves. I'm going to say it again. Jesus had a disturbing way of throwing out challenges to people who rise above themselves. Peter touched the very heart of Christ by challenging Jesus to challenge him. And that's basically what he did. Lord, I'm in this problem. Do we, think, we don't think like this. Lord, I got this problem. It's a storm. And it's blowing, and it's blowing, and it's beating, and it's beating. It could have been for years. Could have been for months, could be for weeks, whatever. It, it, but I got this problem. So, Lord, I'm going to challenge my faith that you give me. I'm going to challenge it. I'm going to ask you to challenge my faith. Is that how we think? That's how Peter thought. We don't think that way. We said, just make the storm go away. Oh, God, make it stop. That's all we want. If, I get, if we just stop, then what happens? We get into another storm, another storm, another, and we're continually, our prayer becomes this, Lord, deliver me from this thing. Lord didn't call you from deliverance from the planet Earth because if he did that, when you gave your heart to the Lord, he immediately rapture you out of here. Why take the chance? Instead, he has us here for a purpose, and we're on this planet for a purpose. We're going to fulfill the promises of God. Are you here this morning? I want to give you another example. I've said this before. I, I shared the example. But this, this idea of challenging faith is, is really something the Lord is speaking into my heart as they challenge our faith. We have faith. We know. How many here have faith? I didn't ask how much. You, got, you might be just a mustard seed grain. Who cares? You got faith. That faith didn't come because you all of a sudden decide to use it. That faith came as a gift from God. Do you know that? God has given you faith to trust in him. Now what happens, what our responsibility is, is to exercise that faith. Amen? You know what happens when the lack of exercise, we get weak. Our physical body, well, same with faith. So to exercise that faith, God will put in our past things that challenge that very faith that he's given us. And he's not doing it for our destruction or our discouragement. But he's doing it for our maturity. Amen? When you got born again or saved, you had any kind of experience like I did, man, you didn't do nothing. Everything was coming to you. God did everything. All of a sudden, things changed in my job. All of a sudden, I, I began to, to taste prosperity that I never tasted before. I mean, it was just coming to me, coming to me. It was marvelous. It was terrific. But guess what? When it came to standing and believing for the things of this fallen world that we live in, Man, I was at loss. I had to get the brothers and sisters together. I need a prayer. I need this. I need that. And it's all, it's all come apart. He said, no, it's not. No, here, stand and believe. Let me show you how to stand and believe. Stand on the scripture. Stand and believe God. And in that, our faith is exercised to such a point. Faith, by the way, another word for faith would be trust. Our trust in the Lord becomes so strong. There's nothing that we cannot do with him in empowerment. So with that said, I'm not going to just try to do anything, and I'm not going to try to do nothing. I'm going to try to see what the Lord has to say, what he wants me to do. Now my faith will grow. And the challenge is, is we're not going to have Jesus stand up in our boat and say, peace, be still. 
there's going to be the time where Jesus is going to be on a bank watching us and how we're going to handle the problem before us because he said, go to the other side. He didn't say, go to the other side when you feel like it. He didn't say, go to the other side if everything's working well for you. He said, go to the other side. And this is where we're at today. This message could be just as prophetic as any word of the prophet this morning because basically this we're, we're in this storm. What do we do? It seems like we're straining, we're straining, we're straining, we're not getting anywhere. Amen? But where is Jesus? Well, I see him off in the distance. He used to be in my boat, but now I see him off in the distance. Okay. Jesus is not going to move his position. Maybe you should move yours. You're waiting for Jesus to come in your world, and he wants you in his. Jesus is standing in the world of miracles, and you're still over there in a boat trying to strain at the oars. Maybe in this season, he's telling you, step over here in my miracle. Another, another scripture I want to give to you. Praise the Lord. Book of Exodus, chapter 14. The children of Israel come out of Egypt. So we just had the communion this morning. They told us about the Passover. And of course, this, they're being released. They're released. They're, they're, they're let go. Uh, Pharaoh had enough of the ten plagues. If you study, I don't have time to study that if you to go through all that. All the ten plagues were a judgment of God against an Egyptian god. Uh, the Egyptian god of the Nile. Uh, basically, I turned the Nile to blood, and it, it killed off all the things because they worshipped the god. And there's all these Egyptian gods. I don't have all the names memorized, but all the Egyptian gods. Uh, and basically, what God spoke, He spoke judgment out of every, over every god, and He showed Himself strong to Pharaoh over every god that they put before Him. So the 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 lice uh, that came out of the ground and, and, and attacked them, well, because they worshipped the the ground. Uh, there was a God over the, the soil, and the fertility of the soil brought the crops and all this. So each one was, so the, the ten plagues were the ten judgments against the ten different gods that they worshipped. Amen? And guess what? God won. Amen. Hey, and the story is, God always wins. Praise the Lord. He doesn't lose. He doesn't know how to lose. He just doesn't, there's nothing for him to lose. He just, he, he just wins. So as you see the picture of the children of Israel, marching out into the promised land. I've heard this preached a thousand times if I heard it once. They come up to the Red Sea, and they're at the corner of the sea. Pharaoh now, the Bible says it this way. It says, God hardened his heart. What does that mean in the Hebrew? It doesn't mean that God reached in his heart and made it harder for him or, 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 or caused Pharaoh to do something that was on his heart. What it was is, here's what happens, is Pharaoh had his bent set on coming against God's people no matter what. So what happens, out of frustration of not getting ahead of God and God being able to do all these things, his heart was hardened. The more Pharaoh pushed against God and what God's, against God's people and against God's will, the harder his heart became. And the more stubborn and the more stiff-necked he became against the things of God. God didn't do nothing in his heart. He had, a, he had a free will. He could have just said, okay, I see you, God. You're the greatest. Why not? Why not? Joseph found favor with a Pharaoh under the same God. Amen? But no, this one final time, Pharaoh looks up. He listens to the cries of the people. They have to go to work for a living because all their slaves are gone. And they, 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 the, their ease of life now becomes more difficult without the help. 
Crops need to be planted. Things, harvests need to be made. All these things happen. And Pharaoh's eyes, let's go get our slaves back. So he gets his char- chariots, and they chase after the Israelites, which are on foot, and they're carrying all their stuff, about two million of them, and he comes up to them, and all of a sudden, Moses sees them coming, and they can hear the bridles ring, they can hit, hear the armor clank. These guys are coming from where they got war chariots, they're ready, you either come with us or die, type of thing. You're going to give them an ultimatum. Now, all of a sudden, the cloud and the pillar that was in front of them, the Bible says that it came around behind them. You follow me? It says, it says, but let me get back up. What happened to the people when they saw this impossible situation, what they thought was impossible? They, uh, in verse 11, Exodus 14, it says, Then they said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, this is, the, this is how they talk, he says, uh, have you taken us into the wilderness to die? This is, so what happens is we couldn't die there. You brought us here to die. Their mindset is on failure. You got that. The entire nation's mindset is on failure because they see Pharaoh. They can't fight against him. They don't have chariots. They don't have weapons. And they see they're backed up against the Red Sea. Moses goes in intercessory, takes the intercessory role and said, Lord, what should I do? I'm here because of you. And now I have this problem. I'm at the Red Sea, which blocks me in. I can't run from Pharaoh with no place to go. What do I do? And we usually say this. We usually say, Moses stretched out his rod, which he did, as the Bible says, and this Red Sea split. And here's the phrase that we Christians pick up. God made a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. There's only one part wrong with that phrase. You can't float it by God because he knew the way was there all the time. He didn't all of a sudden come up with a plan of a way. They might have not known the way. To them it was unknown, but to God it was always known. Amen? So what happens? The sea, the Red Sea, as we preach it and have preached it before, as a way of escape, does not become a way of escape, but becomes a way of choice. And here's how I see that. If you keep on reading, what happened was, it says, in verse, I'm reading verse 19 now, the angel of the Lord went, who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before them and now stood behind them. So you got the picture. There's the pillar of cloud here. Here's Pharaoh, the chariots here ready to pounce down, but they can't move because God's presence is there protecting his people. So he moved between them. Then the catch says, this, that's, that's not it. It says, he stood so it came, uh, So he came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israelites. Thus it was the cloud and the darkness to the one, and it gave light to the other. The darkness, to God put darkness on the, on, on the Egyptians so they could not see, but it gave light to the, to the Israelis, which they could see the on a path. Okay, so you got this. You got this picture. Okay, so it came between the camp of the Egyptians, the camp of Israel, and thus the cloud of darkness to the one would gave them light and night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord says, caused the sea to go back with a strong wind. Here's the thing. I've taken away your storm. I've taken away your danger. Now what do you want to do? 
It's, it was more than an escape. It was, a, it was a point of decision, a turning point, if you will, that God gives all of us. It's a choice. Now, God made the way where we didn't see a way. He saw the way, but we didn't see the way. But God made a way. So here's the way that God has made. But now, well, if I don't go this way, I'm going to be consumed by Pharaoh. No, no, no. What did it say back here? It said, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? There's no graves in Israel or, or in Egypt. Did you bring us out here to die? The splitting of the Red Sea was the path that God had given to go to the promise that he promised his people from the, from, from the Abrahamic covenant, the generation of people. So here, I'm going to point, let's say it's in the church today. Say, okay, here, here's the thing. We, we've got this thing behind us that wants to consume us, however we want to look at that. But we got this path in front of us. Now the decision is ours. Do we go back to the world that wanted to consume us and use us for their pleasure? Or do we go on to the promise that God has promised us, which he just made away? There is a choice to be made. There's a choice to be made. It isn't a way of escape. God isn't trying to run his... Listen, he already had the, uh, uh, the Egyptians in check. God could have stayed there for eternity. Those guys could have died right there. They could stand there in decision. There was no hurry. We think, well, okay, well, let's hurry up. Let's get the people. You see, you, you see it in, in the movies. You know, let's hurry up. You know, Charles and Heston. Like, come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Hurry up, hurry up before it closes back up. No, no. God had it all under control. That's not how it happened. But he said, well, he said, here's the choice. You can go back to being a slave. Okay? Or you can go over here, which is the unknown, but it's the promise I've given you. This decision comes to everybody in the world today. It's a challenge of our faith because our faith says we want to go with God. But there's something pulling back in the flesh that's saying, no, we want to go back into the world. Yes, as you choose. There it is. I got the world at bear. You're under my hand. Right here. I'll hold them back. You make the decision. Take all time. Take your time more. I'm an eternal God. I can do this all day long. I can do it all night long. I can do it all year long. I can do it for the next millennia long until they dry up and die. Then we'll blow their dust away. There will be no decision, will there? No. First of all, to take the path that God has us, he had to get his people's hearts pointed in the right direction. And that took a faith challenge or challenging of the faith. He says, okay, here it is. What are you going to do? It's your choice. So you see, it wasn't an escape. Oh, the enemy's chasing us. We're running down. We're going to escape. No, no. Here's your choice. I'll stop the enemy. You decide. Me or them. That's the same choice we're making every day when we decide to follow what God says to do. It may not be a Red Sea experience where we're watching the waters, but that'd be pretty cool. I mean, to see that, that'd be cool. I, I, I would be tempted to go halfway across and just lounge around, look at the fish. Isn't this cool? Hurry up. Come on, come on. We've got two million people. Come on, get, get on, Kevin. Move, move, move. Okay, okay. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. This is really cool. <laughs> There's no hurry. God has it in control. The enemy cannot advance, and he's waiting for you to decide. Hmm. I picked a scripture up in, in, in John chapter 14, verse 27, says, Peace I leave you. This is an Amplified Bible. You know the scripture, but I'll read out of the Amplified. It says, Peace I leave you. 
My perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. I'll leave that last part again. I like it. Let your perfect peace, let my perfect peace, capital M, God, God speaking, let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Is it God's will for you to be challenged? Absolutely. You know why? Because when we meet the challenge of the power that God has given us, nothing of ourselves, but when we take the power of God and we meet that challenge, guess what? Our faith just goes up through the ceiling. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now they're all things. I can do all things. Bring them on. I remember the first time God used me in a deliverance of a person to cast out a devil. Oh, man, it was, it was marvelous. There wasn't near the battle I thought it was going to be. It's like I barely got the words out of my mouth. The person was set free. Boy, bring them on. Got any more out there? Bring the demons in. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll cast every one of them out. I crush it. I mean, what happens to your faith? It just builds up. I crush Satan's kingdom right now. We'll be done with this stuff. I'll just put them up. And, you know, <laughs> of course, the father's standing behind you. You know, mm-hmm, sure, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was in Guatemala and I was preaching in Guatemala, and a, a church pastor Mike brought me to. Anyway, it wasn't his church. It was another church, and uh, I opened an altar for prayer. Anybody wants prayer? And they brought this woman in. And lo and behold, never had this happen before, but I'm talking to a translator. I don't speak Spanish. But Fernando's telling me, he says, he says, yeah, he says, this woman's heavily demon oppressed. And these ladies, they a lady on each arm of this woman, pulled her down to the altar, said, lay on hands on her. She needs deliverance. Amen. Name of Jesus. And I went to lay my hands on her. She broke loose and she ran down the street. Ran out of the church, ran down the street, and these ladies are chasing her. They tackle her, drag her back in the church, lay hands on her, that woman gets set free, she's set free today. Amen. <laughs> so those ones that try to escape. <laughs> I, I, I said, all I can say, I'm sitting there with my eyes this big, I said, I've never seen this, not in Africa, any place, I've never, never saw this before. They actually tackled this woman. She's all dirty, I mean, they tackled her in the street, drug her back in the church. She needs to be set free. I said, God bless both of you sisters that have enough compassion to bring this woman to, to, to the freedom of Christ and deliverance. Oh, I, was, I was happy. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many know that a whole purpose of coming together? Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, my spirit is in the midst of those that gather. He says that, right? Guess what? Guess what? When we come together, we just increased the presence of God. So you wonder why you want to come to church? We just increase the presence of God by us being here. There's more presence of God here right now. I mean, you have been in your heart. I'm not saying it goes away. But if I was to stay home this morning, I have more presence of God here amongst you than if I stayed home. Amen? Just by what Jesus said. No, I'm in the midst of it. I like what Isaiah, Isaiah 65, 8 says this. It says, thus saith the Lord. He said, as new wine is found in the cluster. New wine would be revelation or, or, or truth. Okay, is what he's referring to. It's a prophetic way of saying that. He says, new wine is found in the cluster. 
Not in the individual, but in the cluster. You can't make new wine with just an individual. But with a cluster, you can, is what he's, what he's saying. Amen? Praise the Lord. My pastor always used to claim this. He says, he says in the last days, talk about, I think I'm living now. But anyway, he used to say this in Revelation 2.1. He said, the angel of the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was a good church. So when they lost their first love, but that mean before that, it was a church that Paul never rebuked in his, in his epistles. It was a good church. He said, these things say to him, he says, hold the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the several candlesticks, talking about Jesus, and the candlesticks is churches. He mentions seven because it was seven churches of Asia Minor that he was, that, he was, that he was dealing with in the book of Revelation. My pastor used to say this. He said, you want to see Jesus move? Be in church. Amen. He's moving in the midst of his candlesticks with the candlesticks are churches. What's he move today? In church. He said, I, I mean, years ago he said that. Amen. And this is the one that I was. I woke up this morning. I'll give you this, and I'll, I'll close with this. Is it okay? I got two minutes. Is it right? Hebrews chapter ten. You've heard this. You browbeated this thing to death. For everybody doesn't go to church, haven't you? Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-five. It says, "Not forsaking assembly together of yourselves, no matter if something's guarding one another, and so much." I mean, we, we rattle off like, yeah, "Do not forsake the assembly together. You more do so as you see the day approaching." We we quote twenty-five. But we never quote 24. Well, I say never, but we, we, 24 is forgotten. What 24 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly together of ourselves. We forgot that the purpose of coming to church, yes, it is to worship the Lord, yes, it is to hear messages, yes, it is to build faith, but it's also to consider one another. Have you come to church today to consider who might be here? Who might need encouragement? Who might need to be provoked to love? What is he talking, is he talking about provoking to love? The love of Christ and the love of Christ that he has on us is the source of all his power. Amen. We're exhorting one another, stand strong. Come on, you can get through this storm. Amen. Amen? Let God challenge your faith. It's a good place to be. Better than the devil challenging it, because now you've got to come up with answers. When Christ challenges, he just, he just asks you what you've done with what, you, what he's already given you. Amen. It's more of an accountability than it is a, a, a warfare. But when the devil challenges you, he's looking for a fight. God's not looking for a fight. He's looking, for, he's looking to elevate you and, and to mature you. I'll read it again. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly together of ourselves. When this was written by Paul, at this particular time, they could be killed for going to church. They were being persecuted at the time. So when he says, don't forsake it, he's saying, in other words, even if it costs your life, it's better for you to be into, the, in, into where God has placed you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So there, there's some scriptures if you're looking for scriptures. Praise the Lord. Amen. I got some other stuff, but I'm running out of time. Praise the Lord. I'm looking for something I can give you in 21 seconds. Uh, one more scripture? Can I give you one more scripture? Are you all right? Okay. Praise the Lord. First Peter 5, 8, and 9. I want to clarify this because I, I didn't get to this, but I want to clarify this. Peter says this. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, understand that you've got an adversary who's the devil. The adversary. Okay, seek the devil walking about as a roaring lion. I want to come back to that. As a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The word devour means to drink down, to overwhelm, to swallow up. 
That's what it means in the, in the Greek. Verse 9 says, resist him steadfastly in the what? The faith. So he's going to challenge your faith, but not in the same way Jesus will. Amen? Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Did you see that? Resist. Here's how we resist. I'm, I'm giving you a revelation here. Are you catching this? Okay. Here's how we resist him. How do we resist the devil? We resist him steadfastly in the faith, knowing that the same suffering is experienced by our brotherhood in the world. In other words, part of our resistance of the devourer is the intercessory role we have on behalf of the brotherhood. You got that? Now, about this lion thing, understand that Peter was talking about a devourer. The devil has never been referred to as a lion. This verse. That was not his, that's not his part. Amen? For clarification, the lion is not the devil's identity. In Scripture, he's called the serpent, the dragon, the thief, and a few other names. Praise the Lord. And some names I made up myself. That I will not repeat. Praise the Lord. Okay, but not a lion. Jesus is the true lion and the lion of the tribe of Judah, according to Revelation 5.5. Amen? So I'll make that mistake. What, he was, he, what Peter was, he said, like a lion gobbles things up, this is what he's going to be. The devil has never been a lion in the Bible. A snake, a dragon, no other thing, but never a lion. Praise the Lord. Amen. Be sober, be vigilant, your adversary the devil. We have an adversary. How do we resist him? Let me tell you how I resist him. Here's how I resist him. When I need to get into church, and when I need to get around people, I want to uphold everybody else's problem. My message this morning as I think about a message, what I'm thinking about other people in my message. Not what I need to hear. I already heard this. <laughs> I've heard this over and over again, this message in my head. Praise the Lord. But what, what is it to exhort all you? Right? Because I'm concerned about the saints. I'm, I'm, I'm coming in revering the saints. How do I resist the devil? Here's how I resist the devil. Steadfastly is how I resist him. I'm not giving up an inch. And here's how I resist him in the faith. I know the same sufferings that somebody else is going through. Pastors are pastors that are going through the same things and worse things than I'm going through. And this is why we resist. We will not give in to the same stinking enemy and the same stinking de devil that wants to devour our brothers and sisters. I won't do it. I won't do it. Instead, I'll stand with them arm in arm if need be and resist and push back. That's how you resist. If you're just resisting for your own comfort, you're missing your spiritual warfare. And you're missing the weapons of our warfare. I feel better now that I could get that off my chest. Thank you for letting me preach that. Praise the Lord. I'm not done, but i got to stop. I'm out of time. Amen? Praise the Lord. How many got something out of the Word this morning? Amen. Now, I preached it in such a way there should be everybody here that should be able to grab something that they needed out of that thing and build up strength. But understand something, and this is my main point, I guess, of the whole thing, is don't be afraid when your faith is challenged by Jesus. Don't be afraid when your faith is challenged, period. And against the devil, the devil doesn't have a chance. One last closing statement. It's my second closing. It's the American way. The, what happens is the devil, we think, here's how we think sometimes. There's God on the good side, and there's the devil on the bad side. And good has to triumph over evil. Get that out of your head, because nothing could be further from the truth. Let's see what Lucifer was. Lucifer is the falling angel who became the devil. He was a created being of God. 
He, he raised up against God as an archangel. He raised up against God. And Jesus said, I saw him fall out of heaven like lightning. <laughs> so that's how long the battle was between him and God. The devil is not only, only referred to the opposite. He's not the opposite of God. He doesn't even come into the same category as the Lord. He's not even in the same hemisphere. He's not even in the same world. It, all God has to do is snuff him right out. That was it. But understand this. So why doesn't he? Well, understand this. God has turned this world over to mankind in his fallen state, and the only part that is not falling is the crisis within us. And as we walk through the world, now we become doing the bidding. Don't ask me why. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anybody. But he chooses to work through us. Let's cooperate with what he says to do. And we'll live a better life, and we'll live a victorious life, and the devil won't have a chance. Next time you need to resist the devil, don't just shout and scream at him and give him a bunch of scripture that he already knows. Remember when he tempted Jesus? He couldn't get Jesus off the mark of the Father. No way. There's nothing going to stop me. Nope. It is my given call of God to be in this church, in this assembly. Nothing's going to stop me. No devil's going to stop me. No job, no anything, no other, no, not even bad weather. I gathered one time in the middle of a hurricane. Are you kidding me? Because there was people that needed, to be, needed shelter, we opened up and said, let's have church. Amen? So forget that. <laughs> I always thank God for giving us a strong building. But, the, but that's it. Amen? No, we're here for the brethren. If you shift for just a minute off of your problems and shift over to you have people, that brothers and sisters here, that are going through the same thing, pray for them and watch what God does on your behalf. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If he can't get it through you, he's not going to get it to you. That's just how it works. Let's stand at our feet. Thank you, Jesus. i got to stop. I'm not out of preach. I'm just out of time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for the message of the word going forth. And I know this, this message was timely for this church. It might have been timely for those that listened by live stream. But I know for sure this is, this is a cutting-edge message for this time that we need to know. I know the familiar scriptures that we read probably a thousand times. doesn't matter. Revelation truth comes from scripture we've already read. Yeah. Revelation truth and truth for the time and the season comes from stuff we already know. Amen. Praise Lord. We don't need a mystery. We need, the, we, we need a, a plan and a battle plan. Father, I thank you this morning for the goodness and your grace. I thank you, Father, for the empowerment of your grace. I thank you, God, for giving us something we haven't earned. And Lord, we thank you. May we never take that for granted in the name of Jesus, and we give you the praise. And everybody in the church said, Amen. amen. Now, amen is not just.